Thanks for listening to the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. Here to help educate, motivate, and put you on the right path to take control of your health through weekly discussions on topics in the medical field, public health arena, and in your community. And now your host, Dr. Barry. And welcome to another episode of the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. I'm your host, Dr. Barry Pierre, favorite board certified internist, founder of drpiersblog.com, as well as the host of the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry, your number one podcast for patient advocacy and helping you empower yourself for better health. This week, we bring you episode 8-0, where we talk about a few important topics that you know, unless you're living under a rock, uh, it's not affecting you, um, which is pain control. And this is a subject that was actually brought up on a recent survey that I did for the Lunch and Learn community, where I kind of asked them what topics they wanted to hear, and pain control was a big one for them. So we're going to be talking about pain control. We're going to really be asking a question, and I'm trying. I'm going to try to answer it for you guys, right? Like, hey, why is my doctor always scared to treat my pain? I'm going to try to answer it from, you know, my perspective as a physician. And obviously, you know, we'd be remiss to talk about pain control if we don't talk about the opposite, the other end of the spectrum, uh, which is the the overdosing or the abusing of the pain medication, right? Again, episode 8-0. If you want my show notes, head over to drpiersblog.com forward slash LLP 080 or head over to lunchlearnpod.com where you get the latest show notes of all of the episodes, not just uh, the specific one here. Um, And before we get out of here, of course, we're going to read another amazing five-star review again. Guys, I absolutely love the fact you guys have been hitting that five-star button, especially if you're on Apple Podcasts, hitting the five stars and give me a rating because, again, it's uh, so important for just building the show and just showing uh, the love that, you know, uh, you guys I know have out there. Top The title is Great Podcast. Dr. Barry is always bringing great information that the community needs to know to be more informed and make better decisions about their health. Just awesome, right? So, again, another amazing five-star review. Uh, keep them coming, again, and I'll keep making sure that, you know, we get them on the air. So, sit back and ready for another amazing episode. We're talking about pain control. We're going to be talking about why your doctor is scared to give you some pain medication. Talking about some overdoses, right? So, sit back and ready for another amazing episode here on the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. This episode is brought to you by the Lunch and Learn Community Store, where we are living out the motto, empower yourself for better health. In the Lunch and Learn Community Store, you can get your favorite t-shirts, ebooks, as well as other related products by Dr. Barry. Head over to shop.drpiersblog.com and get a chance to get 10% off your first purchase by using the coupon code EMPOWER10. Again, shop.drpiersblog.com. Live out the motto, empower yourself for better health. Hey guys, that Barry here. So today I'm going to be hopefully answering the question for all physicians out there, right? Like why we don't like dealing with pain medication and prescribing pain medication and why you are having so much trouble finding someone who's willing to do so who isn't really a quote-unquote pain management specialist, right? And again, I hate to say quote-unquote because that actually is a fellowship-trained physician, right? Like you actually, they've, they've done additional years, stress that, years of training just to focus on people's pain. So from a, a general physician, right, who am I, like an internist, right? Yes, can I prescribe some of those medications? Yes, yeah, actually, I can prescribe to all of them for the most part. But my comfort level may not be as strong as it should be 
especially in this day and age, right? And I think we have to stress this day and age where pain control is becoming an important factor, whether you're outpatient medicine, whether you're doing inpatient medicine, and being, and whether you're a patient, right? Whether you're, if you're able to control my pain, if I'm going through something that's causing me pain and discomfort, right? I want to go someone who can take care of it. And more and more uh, people, my patients are finding difficulty finding someone who is willing to take care of their pain. And, you know, there's for obvious reasons, right? And I'm going to be trying to delve into some of those reasons during today's podcast. Uh, but I, I again, I, I'd be remiss, right? Again, I did a survey last month and one of the questions was like, hey, can you talk a little bit more about pain control? And, and most importantly, again, especially for those who know, I'm, I'm a very big, I'm a, I'm a fan of hip hop, right? And a hip hop artist recently just died. My name is Mac Miller, right? And he's another person in a long list of people who are dying from opioid overdoses. And this is something that whenever I see it, right, like, of course, there's a lot of mixed reactions, right? But the most important thing I wonder is like, wow, I wonder if it was a prescription for a pain medication that they were just taking after surgery that started it all, right? Like, I always want to know what was the starting point. Because what we're seeing is a lot of people, especially those who are dealing with opioid dependence, dealing with opioid abuse, who are suffering uh, the ultimate demise, right? A lot of times it starts out with just a, one prescription. And I ask myself, like, especially, and I haven't been out of uh, residency too long, right? But I've, I've, I've prescribed a number of uh, controlled medications. I always wonder, like, wow, is this a prescription that may make that person become addicted five, 10 years down the line, right? That's always a concern for mine because, again, I'm always worried about my patient. As, as always, even, even if I know what they're going through is definitely causing pain, definitely causing discomfort, right? There's always that fear that, like, I may be the physician who causes my patient to be addicted to opioid medication. And I think that's a big fear that I think our patients, right, our patients don't necessarily understand when we say, you know what, no, I don't prescribe that medication. No, um, I don't deal with that type of medication, right? Because when we started medical school, when we started this journey to become a physician, right, none of us started with the goal of, hey, you know what, I want to get all of my patients hooked on this medication that's going to cost them uh, time, that's going to cost them money, and it may cost them their life ultimately, right? None of us sign up for that. But we're dealing in an age where a lot of our medications that were that are out there to treat the pain, that are out there to, to, to treat anxiety, out there to treat stress, right, can cause just that, right? So this is where we kind of meet down the lines, right? And I know, especially in the lunchtime community, I know we like to start out with the facts, right, with some numbers, just to get an idea of where we're at from uh, as a society, right, in regards to opioid and opioid overdose and opioid everything, right? So again, this, and these are from the CDC. I will put a link in the show notes for it so you can get to it yourself. Uh, from 1999 to 2016, right, we've had more than 630,000 people die from drug overdose. Around 66% of the people dying from drug overdose uh, in 2016 was due to opioid. So uh, 66% of more than 63,000 drug overdose deaths in 2016 was due to an opioid medication, right? So again, this is your Percocets of the world, your Vicodins of the world, right? These are these are like the quote-unquote the starter drugs, I like to call it, that propel patients to end up needing stronger and stronger and stronger until uh, the ultimate demise. In 2016, the number of over, 
overdose deaths involving opioid medications was five times higher than it was in 1999, right? So, again, I, w- I want to stress this, right? So we, so, we know from 1999 to 2016, we've had about 630,000 people die just from drug overdoses, right? So just encompassing drug overdoses. And the year 2016 alone, two-thirds of that was due to opioid medication in one way, shape, or form. And we are at this point in 2016 prescribing opioids at a rate five times higher than we were in 1999. And, and if, if this doesn't tell you, right, so again, you know, I know we've grown sprawling out in the year, right? On average, 115 people, and more importantly, depending on especially my USA listeners, right? First of all, I want to give a little shout out to all my worldwide listeners. I was checking my stats the other day. Uh, I've got people in France who listen to me, people in Germany, Canada, like all these like different countries. Like, so absolutely amazing for you guys listening. But anyway, in America, right, 115 Americans die from opioid overdose every single day. 115 like that if if these little numbers don't you know get you about your seat right and say oh like i did not know it was like serious serious like that's that's where that's where we're at right and i and contrary to popular belief right ever since 1999 right ever since 1999 when they really started looking at these numbers opioid the prescription ones were always the highest uh killer right uh, well, in terms of cause of death, right? They were always the highest. It wasn't actually until 2015 that synthetic opioid medications, and that's where your fentanyl and those types of medications, you know, ones that are man-made, took over as the top leading cause for opioid overdoses, right? But it's always been your Percocets, your Vicodins of the world that have been a primary cause of the rate of deaths, in opioids, right? So again, we, you know, we hate to start this stuff gloomy, right? But I think I wanted to make sure we're giving a background, especially for, you know, my illustrious community listeners who may be suffering from some pain, maybe suffer from discomfort, maybe just had surgery, maybe just went into an accident, just got had an accident. And now it's time to get medication to control their pain. And the common medications such as Tylenol, common medications such as Advil, ibuprofen, those medications just aren't strong enough to deal with the pain you're dealing with. But now when you go to your doctor, you're running to this roadblock, you're running to this huge wall of someone saying, you know what, yeah, I don't do that type of medication, I can't prescribe that medication, or even if they do prescribe that medication, you know, they're not prescribing you enough, they don't, it's not enough to control it, it's not enough to, you know, last for a week, two weeks, you know, all of these different things here, right? And again, I have, I have my own personal caveats, right? You know, just speaking to a friend of mine, a colleague today, who talked about, especially in America, right? We live in a society where we want to be pain-free, right? We're like, we're not used to having to deal with pain, right? So we're in a society where we wanted to live pain-free. So what happened reflexively is the, even then, again, well, let's, you know, obviously, you know, I work in the hospital, right? But like, I always, I always got time to put them out there, right? In the hospital setting, right? Do you know that one of the survey questions is related to, did my doctor control my pain 100% of the time? That's one of the survey questions, right? Like is, and this is one of these questions that they use to not only survey these hospitals, but determine if these hospitals are getting good customer service ratings, which can affect how much the government will pay it, right? Like think about that, right? So the hospital says, hey, my goal is to make sure my money that I get from the government doesn't get cut. So if the goal is to make sure that doesn't happen, what am I going to do? I'm going to make sure the patients who are in my hospital, pain is always well controlled, right? 
you have you have this society, right? It's really a society issue, right? But it's really kind of backed on, back backed by the the surveys, backed by you know government uh, regulations that say you know we need to be pain free all the time. So then they come into your office and they're ready. They need a new refill of their medications, but your doctor say I don't prescribe that medication. You got to go to a pain management specialist prescribe that medication. But because every doctor in town is saying, hey, you got to go to a pain management specialist to go to get your medications. Now it takes you two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks just to get into that pain management specialist office. So, again, you can kind of see where the, the log jam begins to occur. Right. And if you're a, a patient, right, you just want your pain control. Here you are. You can't even get your pain control because no one wants to give you pain medication for it. Right? Everyone's scared. And I was I was on a podcast on air advocate where I talked about um, opioid the epidemic and overdoses and kind of a little bit of what we talk about today. And I remember again I was a resident uh, during this time where they passed laws that really restricted uh, the amount of medications you can give. And seeing just almost overnight people coming into the hospital with uh, opioid withdrawals, right, or opioid overdoses, right. Um, almost overnight it happened right so it, it wasn't it's not a surprise right it's not it wasn't a shock to me um, when I see the numbers that I see now in 2018 right when I see the the attitudes that there is now in 2018 uh, regarding opioid and opioid abuse right because you know we kind of set them up for failure right we especially as the physicians right we gave them the medications right when it was easy to give the medications and then when the government started turning around and started looking at these numbers and saying hey you know what? we need to crack down on this all of a sudden, we turn our backs on these patients who are in pain, right? And again, and I think that's one thing that kind of gets pushed to the side, because like, I hear my residents all the time talking about, oh, this patient's drug-seeking, um, drug-seeking behavior. Most importantly, you got to understand, the body's going to react as if it's in pain, right? Like, there's nothing that a person can necessarily do. Now, of course, we want to say, yes, they're dependent on the drug. Yeah, they're dependent on the drug, but it's not them. It's their body. It's their the chemical reactions, right? It's their brain literally saying, hey... That pain medication is not in your system, so I'm about to make you hurt until you give me back my that pain medication, right? Like that's the same thing with cigarettes, right? We we never say a person's you know t- tobacco seeking, right? Like it's a person's tobacco abuse and should stop smoking, right? But it's the same type of process where the body says, hey, you haven't had a cigarette since breakfast, right? And if you don't have a cigarette uh, right now, uh, I'm gonna make you go crazy. So what does this person do? They go and get the cigarette. Same thing with alcohol, right? Hey, you haven't had a drink in a day. If you don't get a drink in a day, I'm going to make you very sick. So what does the person do? They go, you know, get something alcoholic to drink, right? Same thing with these opioid medications, right? Your your body's in pain. Your body's in uh, uncomfortable. Your body's in an, uh, a non-optimal state. And they know the only way they can get back to that state that it's looking for is if it gets some pain medications, right? So there you go. You go back to your doctor's office. You try to get this pain medication. And now your doctor wasn't doesn't want to give it to you. And that's the side, right? Like I... I want to I want to say especially from a physician right like from a physician aspect of it I think there's a, there's a, one there's a sense of empathy right there's a sense of I don't want to be the physician who makes you addicted to this medication here right and so even though you just had surgery right even though you just got into a bad car accident right and even though it, your your X-rays and you know and everything objectively is telling me yeah this person is likely in pain. I don't want to treat you or I'm going to undertreat you, right? Like that's an, and that's a very important concept, right? The concept of not getting enough treatment, right? Especially when we're dealing with pain. Studies have shown that especially in African-Americans, you know, we can go in with the same complaints, you know, as our Caucasian patients, right? 
and we'll receive less referrals for pain management. We'll receive less, you know, medications. We'll receive lower strength, like same symptoms, same everything, same like everything to the T, but we're still undertreated, right? Uh, and, and that's what happens, right? So you have your physicians, right? You have your doctors, right, who are just scared to treat your pain medication, right? Because the one, they're empathetic, right? They they don't want to be the person who causes you to go in overdose state, right? They don't, they don't want you, they don't want the prescription I write today be the reason why someone calls me from the hospital and say, hey, your patient overdose. And then number two, right? Again, this is more, you know, this more, you know, superficial thing about themselves, right? In ourselves, I should say. Is they don't want to get sued because again, if 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 I get sued, right? Like if something ultimately happens to you, right? And again, we don't even it doesn't have to be as far as death, but if something ultimately happens to you, you know what they're gonna, you know that they start looking back, they start to say, wow, how much pain medication were you prescribing this patient, right? And what were you doing to make sure it didn't get to this case here, right? I can tell you, I'm I'm in I'm living in the state of Florida now. In the state of Florida, you know, we even though I've already had my DEA license, I'm already approved to prescribe these medications. In the state of Florida, I now have to take another test, just educating me, saying, "Hey, Doctor Barry, we just want to make sure you know how to prescribe your medications," while also saying, "Here are some new rules, right? Here are some new rules that you have to follow if you're gonna if you want to keep prescribing in our state, right? Like, so it's gotten to the point where the government is stepping in and saying, "Hey, you know what?" We're going to mandate these physicians to have to do all of these steps, right, before they prescribe uh, opioid medications, right? We're going to make sure that, that that's getting done, right, because we don't think it's getting done. And if we don't think it's getting done, we don't know who to hold responsible if something ultimately happens uh, in, in the wrong case, right? Like if a person overdoses, end up in the hospital, right? If a person overdoses and ends up dying, we don't want, want to be responsible for that, right? And, and I think those, like, two compelling Yin and yangs are some of the biggest issues, right? That patients aren't satisfied anymore, right? So patients aren't satisfied. Their their pain control isn't satisfied. Why? Because a lot of physicians don't necessarily know how to treat pain. They know how, they don't know how to treat pain correctly, right? Because again, there's opposite side of the spectrum, right? You got your physicians who are quick to give you those types of medications when you don't even need it, and you got your physicians who won't give you those medications even though you desperately need it, right? You can't win to lose, right? You really if you 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 got a little minor minor like you know toe pain right they're ready to prescribe you these uh controlled medications right and they give you a whole bunch of pills right and then you got a couple of them just kind of laying in the uh the the bathroom cabinet right which always happens and then you got the other spectrum where like you know someone runs over your foot and they're telling you yeah just you know put some warm compress on it take some ibuprofen right like again yeah, it, it we're, we're we as a physician we're not doing our job correctly when it comes to kind of treating that aspect of it, right? We're not doing a good job treating the pain adequately. So what happened is patients are forced to go to someone else and then they're forced to go to another physician and another physician until someone is willing to take care of the pain, right? And do you know, especially as a patient, do you know what we do when that happens, right? We start calling you drug seeking, right? Like again, we put you in that, that boat that you shouldn't have necessarily been in if your first doctor would have took care of the job. So I, I think as a as a especially as a from a physician standpoint, right? Like I want to acknowledge, you know, why we're so scared to do, right? We're so scared to do one, right? Because we don't want to be the reason why you get addicted to this medication. And two, we ain't trying to get sued. We're not trying to get sued. We don't want to be the reason why uh, you know, someone some lawyers calling me saying, Hey, why were you prescribing these medications? We don't want any of that. So we kinda of wash our hands. And we kind of wash our hands, and unfortunately, we push all of these patients who 
who should be taken care of by your general physicians all to the pain management. So now all of a sudden pain management can't even get their patients who really need to be seen in, right? Because they're having to deal with all of these influx of patients uh, of the diseases and diagnosis that the primary should have been able to handle, right? So again, I, w- I want to, I think we should stretch, stretch that out, right? Especially again, and I'm saying listen names, right? Because I think the topic usually resonates not only, especially with my learning community, when you hear some of the fa- the numbers, right? The facts and figures associated with the diseases we're talking about. But most importantly, when you hear some like celebrities associated with this, right? Because again, this isn't a, a poor man's issue, right? This isn't a, you know, uh, a person who lives in an underserved areas issue, right? Like these, like everyone is affected uh, by opioid abuse, right? Again, I saw, and I, I hate that I can't quote the actual person who said it, right? Um, but someone, it was because I'm on Twitter, right? So someone said on Twitter that uh, opioid uh, has, doesn't opioid, uh, opioid abuse and opioid overdoses don't have a tax bracket, right? Which means it doesn't matter how much money you're making or how little money you're making, right? Um, you could still suffer from these same issues, right? So let, let's just, you know, again, I just want to read off a list of names of people who have suffered from uh, opioid uh, abuse and opioid overdose resulting in death, right? Um, again, Mac Miller, uh, the rapper we talked about a little bit earlier, Tom Petty, uh, musician, Prince, of course, who's a musician. Hopefully, I don't have to explain who Prince is, right? And and Prince and a lot of these, especially the celebrities, fall into uh, that that pattern. When I talked about earlier, when I said that initially it was the commonly prescribed opioid medications that were causing a lot of deaths, but since very recently and since 2010, we've seen the spike in the synthetic opioid medications. Fentanyl being one of the most uh, popular ones, uh, causing a lot of these deaths, right? Um, and, and again, just to kind of give you the, because I want to get you guys to get a visual picture of what the, the stepping stone, right? When we talk about the prescribed medications, right? You have your patient who gets ibuprofen, ibuprofen doesn't work, who gets Tylenol, Tylenol doesn't work, then may move on to Tramadol, see if Tramadol works, that does, that's not really there. Then they're on the opioid medications, then they're on the Percocets and the Vicodins of the world, right? And then all of a sudden, a doctor says, you know what, you've had enough, I'm stopping it. Right. And now they have no way to get to the new medication. Right. They have no way to get to their uh, Percocet. They have no way to get to their Vicodin. Right. So what do they do? Right. They 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 go they go to the street corner. Right. They, they go and they get uh, they go and get heroin. Right. They go and get these other uh, medications. Right. That are an opioid related treatment. Right. Because there's no, they don't know what to do. Right. Like, how are they going to. Um, treat their pain, right? Like, because the doctor just took away the prescribed medication, so I just got to go get the legal one, right? and that's where heroin um, uh, comes to play, right? You have a lot of heroin overdoses uh, because of it, right? And, and that's and again, and it's it's a it's a sad, it's a sad endeavor, right? It's a sad process that we're kind of leading to, but that that's kind of where we're at uh, when we talk about it, right? And again, just to kind of finish up some more celebrity names, you know, uh, Bobby uh, Bobby Christina Brown. Um, we have a wit. Oh my God, Whitney Houston. I mean, you. But you get the point, right? There's a lot of people, right, who are suffering from pain control and the lack thereof, right? And they're ending up in this state, right? They're ending up in a state where now they gotta take bigger medications and stronger medications just to try to get that 
that relief of pain that they're unable to get right so it, it's and it's sad right especially as a physician right? as a physician um, it's sad you know you're you're tasked with trying to help your patient and you're, you're trying to balance wanting to help your patient uh, without causing irreparable harm later on right and we never know especially as a physician of course right we never know which person I give this prescription to will turn around and you know become addicted we don't know right and I have some patients who will refuse to take their their opioid medications even if they have like a good major surgery right they refuse to take it right because they say I don't want to be that one person that gets addicted right and unfortunately for me I can't be like oh don't worry it's it's only one time you don't have to worry about it right because sometimes that's all it takes right? sometimes when you have a, a medications that the gateway type medications that physicians prescribe sometimes all it takes is getting that one prescription and then changing their whole life so again I think I'm, I'm gonna I want to end today's episode with just a clip right of Matt Miller's uh, song 2009 right where he kind of talks a little bit about pain and struggle right because I, I think it's important you know here as a physician right to understand that your patients are going through some things right and sometimes these medications are the only things that help them get to the next day right unfortunately you as the numbers have shown right we're having a lot of people who aren't making it that next day right you have a lot of people who are having untimely deaths because of the medications that they use to try to decrease their pain, decrease their burden, decrease their stress, right? So again, very somber, I don't want to say somber episode, right? Very informative episode on pain management, on why your doctor's scared to control your pain. And hopefully you learned a little bit from it. If you have any questions or concerns, you know, feel free to uh, hit me up either on Twitter, either on my Facebook page, either in the private group as well. Ask your questions. Uh, that's what we're here for here with the Lunch Night Community. And I'm going to see you guys next week. You guys have a great and blessed day. But I don't need to lie no more. Nowadays all I do is shine, take a breath and ease my mind. She don't cry no more. Tell me that I get her high Cause an angel's supposed to fly I ain't asking why no more I know I take it if it's mine Now stay inside the lines It ain't 2009 no more I know what's behind that door Okay, they ask me what I'm smiling for Yeah Because I never felt this high before It's like I never been alive before yeah. I'd rather have me peace of mind Than what you see me Thank you for getting to the end of the show. I am your host, Dr. Barry Pierre, host of The Lunch Learner, Dr. Barry. And this is another amazing episode that we like to bring to you week after week on betterment of empowering yourself for better health today. If you have not had a chance, please go ahead and subscribe to the show if this is your first time listening. If you already listen and you've already subscribed, make sure to leave me a five-star review because your support is absolutely important in keeping the show moving as it is. And if you have not had a chance and you want to check out today's show notes, always head over to lunchlearnpod.com. That is lunchlearnpod, all in one word, dot com. And you can get the access to my show notes for every single episode, especially the one you just listened to. And I'm going to see you guys next week. You guys be blessed. Bye.